No House Advantage is taking a different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop contests across the NBA, MLB, NFL, and PGA for cash prizes. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps. Download the No House Advantage app and check out our daily player prop contests without having to make a deposit. Play in public guaranteed cash prize pool contests or create your own private contest with friends. Use promo code EDGE when signing up, and they'll match your first deposit with a $20 in free play. If your first-time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests that include all types of player statistics. Featured player prop contests combine players of different positions across several statistical categories. Compete against other users and track in real time as you climb the leaderboard. Download the No House Advantage app now using promo code EDGE, and they'll match your first deposit with up to $20 in free play. If your first time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I am Kevin Cole. I am joined, as always, on Thursdays by Lee Sharp. Lee, we do not have... We had TNF, but it wasn't Thursday Night Football this week. We were going to get cheap... Tuesday. (laughs) This was. We were going to get Chiefs bills, and then no, no. Now it's Monday. Well, we still, yeah, I mean, we, we get, we get it prime time, I guess, or early prime for you. I know West coast people, you poor, you poor souls out there that have to deal with these early games while the rest of us, uh, wake up with rings underneath our eyes. And, uh, uh after all of this stuff. So I, I don't feel too much sympathy for you, but we will, we will see some of that action on Monday, but I want to first, first, I'm going to do is I'm going to rewind a little bit, uh, talk about what we saw on Tuesday because there hasn't we haven't had a chance uh, for any of our podcasts uh, on this feed to go over that yet. Then we'll hit some of the what you're looking at this weekend. You put out a a uh, an article for us every week on your on your favorite picks. We'll get what your what your thoughts are now. Um, you know, midway through the week. So first, let's go back to Tuesday. The Bills Titans unexpected result. Uh, I think the Bills were a three and a half point. Three, three or three and a half point favorite at the Titans. Obviously the Titans didn't practice. So weren't able to practice much at all. They had all this long layoff and they just came in there and it was a little slow at first. I think the bills are being very successful. They were matriculating the ball down the field uh, with a bunch of first downs. And then they just couldn't stop the Titans. They could not stop the Titans from scoring. They're much more explosive. And then eventually they made Allen you know, make a play, convert a third down over and over and over again. And eventually he threw what was a pretty ugly interception and that almost, almost sealed the deal for him. So what, what were your takeaways from the game, Lee? Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly the, the bills defense and effectiveness at, at stopping, uh, Tennessee was, was more surprising than I would have thought. Um, the, the big thing for me though, right. Was, you know, especially from, from, the analytics minded folks that, that many of us are a lot of the conversation was sort of, Oh, Josh Allen, you know, going into the season was Josh Allen. Isn't very good. And, but he's really, you know, kind of surprised a lot of us, I think in 2020, uh, 
uh, Evan, Evan Silva, notwithstanding about how, how well he's done in 2020 and he's, he's performed a lot better. I wanted to kind of, to look at it you know, look at his, his stat line, you know, of his sort of 32 games or whatever that he's got, this was actually his, you know, 10th best game by, by his PFF passing grade. He had, uh, three turnover worthy plays, which isn't great, but he also had, you know, four big time throws. It was, it was kind of a very James, Jameis Winston esque game for him. Uh, and, uh, while the Titans certainly were able to capitalize on, on turnovers and did a great job on that. I don't think this is quite as embarrassing for the bills as sort of the raw score might suggest. Certainly not, not, not Josh Allen, maybe the bills defense. Yeah. I mean, the bills, they obviously they're missing Tredavious white. They were missing some other defensive players, but this has not been a one-week thing for the Bills' defense. I mean, the Rams' offense looked very competent um, against them. I mean, not early, but they ran off a string of a bunch of touchdowns to take the lead in that game. Uh, the Miami Dolphins' offense looked okay. They had a lead very late in that game against the Bills. The Raiders' offense looked good against them. They were just kicking field goals and not getting touchdowns. I don't think they stopped the Raiders offense until midway through the third quarter was the first time that the Raiders offense had to punt that they didn't score. So this is not a one week thing for that bills defense. And I think that's the concern more than what we saw on Tuesday night where they really just got blown out. Yeah, no, that, that, a lot of that. And of course, you know, last year and we think the Bills defense was good and we think about them as a strong defensive team, but defense regresses and, uh, you know, their, their PFF Massey ranking right now is 12th on defense, which is, you know, certainly much closer to an average team than a top team. Yeah, it's funny because the, the, the knock on the Bills going into the season was that they were going to be the you know, the Bears or the Jaguars or the team that regresses coming into the season. I thought that was a little bit unfair because they weren't as turnover dependent as some of those teams were uh, when they had, when they had great defense, like the Patriots were very turnover dependent last year. Um, But I didn't see it being Josh Allen being the reason why they weren't, why they weren't going to become that. I thought, I think you made a very, very astute point when you were pointing to the fact that this was still his 10th best passing grade. It wasn't, in the context of what he's done this year, it was his worst game, but it wasn't a bad, bad game. Um, he made plays. He was converting, you know, third downs. And it was, it's one of those things where the, the bills now, they are the best team in the NFL um, at third down conversions over expectation. You know, that's not going to necessarily stick for the rest of the season. But when you watch Allen play, there are reasons for that. One, he can scramble and pick up third downs Two you kind of don't know what to do with them because if you don't bring pressure, he can sit back for a long time and he can really fire the ball into windows. Like we saw with that TJ Yeldon touchdown eventually. And if you do bring pressure, um, a defensive back, at least, uh, you know, linebackers, he's, he's pretty fast to get around and the defensive back just has no chance of actually tackling him on some of those plays. So I, I think that's that I thought there was a lot of impressive stuff actually in this game for Allen. Yeah. You know, if you, if you just take, you know, his, his best plays, he looks really good. I, you know, and I think overall he, he did have a good game. I, I, there were mistakes, but I, 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 you know, this, this does not tell me, uh, the regression for Allen is happening and the first four games were outliers. No, I think he has improved. What about on the other side of the ball? Cause a player who's not getting a lot of hype is Ryan Tannehill. And if you look at, the numbers now, I mean, he has one, you know, he, he missed some, some time there uh, because of the, the outbreak, but he, uh, the passing attack there is even, I think they're even higher than the, than the bills or they're close to the bills now on a, on a EPA per drop back basis. 
he's, you know, something he's it's like, uh, Rogers Wilson. Um, maybe it's, it's either Mahomes or, or Allen. And then Tannehill is very close up there as far as his efficiency. Now he hasn't graded nearly as well. He's been heavily, he's very reliant on play action, just like he does last year. But you know, that quarterback that we saw last year who, in a shortened, he had fewer attempts, but in a shortened time frame, had one of the best performances of anyone last year. The best, if you look by some efficiency metrics, he's kind of that same guy again this year. So, I'm surprised there hasn't been more focus on. Wait a second, like this is this is for real. What we're seeing from Ryan Tannehill without Derrick Henry really being a force. Yeah, I mean, I I think he did clearly clearly have a, a, a you know a strong he he looked good as you said the play action is reliant but you know it play action works um, more teams should be using it more right. um, the you know when when you saw the, the 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 downside you know if you want to make kind of the case against uh, why why he'd be doing really well is they do have a really kind of almost unsustainably high red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, especially if you do, which they also had to, last season. Yeah. yeah, they also had last season, and I think if you combined uh, last last season in 2019 and plus the plus the with just Tannehill and this year's, and it's something like 86 percent or something like that, which is really really high. That's still going. Obviously, you know he benefited a lot from from turnovers in this game, right? Where you get shorter fields and it's it's easier to to get winning drives. Uh, you know, and uh, going into the, they obviously won this game by a lot going into this game. Their, their point differential was, was pretty low, right? It, um, the, the wins kind of felt, you know, like, Oh, Hey, yeah, you know, they came out on the good side of the, of the variance. This win clearly felt earned, although it was off the backs of a lot of turnovers. Yeah. And um, another, the other encouraging note was AJ Brown was back uh, he looked healthy. He looked dominant. I mean, he didn't post a huge yards number, but clearly when he was in one-on-one situations, especially with when he was going against Josh Norman, um, it wasn't, he was, Norman was outmatched. And uh, I thought that was a good thing to see going forward. If we're looking at kind of like a props or a fantasy perspective, um, it'll be interesting to see how they're going to use him. Cause he was, he was not, he was not getting these kind of high value, high percentage targets. It was more Corey Davis was getting those before Davis is out. I'm not sure if Davis is going to play, if he'll be come back off of the COVID list or not. Um, but uh, Adam Humphreys is back. So yeah, he, he could, he could get, he could have narrowed some of his, some of his work there, but that'll be another thing to, to monitor going forward. Uh, let's look at the week six slate and uh, Lee, are there any games that you're thinking about or angles that you're thinking about on this slate? Uh, yeah. Look, you know, looking through prepping for my, my bets and things, there were, were a couple games that stood out to me. Uh, one is uh, the Broncos uh, in new England. Um, we, we did think that this might be a, you know, Rippin versus Stidham match, but we are actually getting uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, the starters we would, we would hope for going into the season, Cam Newton and uh, um, Drew Locke, the, uh, when we, when we, before the look ahead line where admittedly the quarterbacks were more unsure, it was about Denver eight and a half. And now it's, uh, t- the line is 10. Um, hmm. I haven't bet it yet. I'm hoping that I can get 10 and a half, get on the right side of the good number. You know, you often late in the week, you'll see, especially on game day, you'll see some of those lines with big, big home favorites and people like to bet them, uh, creep up. But 
you know, the, when you look, when we looked at the, uh, you know, where the Matt, like PFF had this game, for example, uh, it was much closer to, uh, you know, getting, depending on where you valued home field advantage, uh, much closer to like eight at a full home field advantage or like six and a half, for example, looking at, uh, uh, the PFF power rankings, it just, just 10 is just a lot of points. And, and Denver is a team that has a, even though, you know, the Drew lock isn't great and that offense isn't great. Uh, the, the defense is strong enough. And I think that to, to keep them in the game and, you know, get, get, get you within that margin. I, I like that game a lot. Yeah, that I like that. Um, yeah, I guess just even knowing, I mean, Newton's the one that we know for sure is going to play now that he's been, He's been activated back off of the the COVID list. We don't know 100% for Locke, um, but I guess that upgrade and that certainty maybe was what's driving some of that number. Um, I mean, the Patriots defense also the last time they played looked pretty good against the Chiefs too. So maybe there's some there's some hope that uh, they're they're bringing things back in together despite the problems that they had with Russell Wilson. But a lot of a lot of teams have problems with Russell Wilson. Um, all right, what, what what else are we looking at? Um, uh, a second game that really kind of jumped out at me was, uh, the Cowboys. Um, obviously the big deal with the Cowboys is losing back, um, and, and Andy Dalton now starting, uh, the look ahead line, which of course was made with the assumption that Dak would not be on, uh, it was, was Cowboys minus three. Uh, now we're seeing that line having moved to Arizona minus two. Uh, so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a noticeable swing, but given, you know, the reduced value of points between, you know, the threes that doesn't, uh, you know, I, you know, it does just doesn't that I think that despite, even though those are reduced, I think that there's a bit of overvaluing of the gap. Um, the, you know, Andy Dalton, I would probably honestly say that he might be the better quarterback in this game. I don't think, I don't think it's crazy. And, uh, Fire, fire takes fire. Yeah. I know. And, and, you know, he's at home and two points and he's obviously got way more support, right. Than he ever had in, in Cincinnati in terms of, uh, personnel. Yeah. I mean, Andy uh, yeah. Dalton's the guy that, you know, they say he plays up or down based upon who he has surrounding him. I mean, he did have that support. I mean, he had AJ green a lot of that time. And then in 2015 he had, that's when everything came together for him. The offensive line played well. He had AJ green. He had Marvin Jones. He had Muhammad Sanu. He had Tyler Eifert for an actual healthy stretch for, for a long period of time. And that's when he played like a top, honestly, like a top three quarterback that season um, in, in 2015. So yeah, I think there's some outside chance that he could thrive here. Although the Cowboys offensive line is looking a little bit rough. Yeah. It's really going to be on the defense side of the ball. And it really does come down to how you view Kyler Murray and that uh, Cardinals offense because the rushing attack has not been the same rushing attack we saw for them last year where they were really dominant running the ball and Kyler hasn't really taken that much of a step forward or step forward really at all uh, passing the ball he's just been very productive running the ball as a quarterback so I think you're right people's perception of this may be uh, that Kyler's been better throwing the ball than he really has been yeah. And as always, you know, I, in, 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 with any situation, I think the market tends to overreact to the latest thing. Right. And in this case, the latest thing is Dak being injured. And I think they're probably just, you know, valuing that at, at more than is reasonable, you know, certainly uh, Andy Dalton is 
among the among if not one of the top backups in the league right he is not a you know this isn't uh you know cam newton getting injured and jared stidham starting or you know uh some, something of that nature yeah no i mean it was a very shrewd signing for the cowboys knowing that they had this infrastructure built around Dak, that investing in the quarterback regardless of the contract stuff with Dak, was could prove to be very valuable and put them still in contention in a weakened division and all those things have have come out to play so so kudos to them on that uh, before we get to a couple of other plays that you like quickly i just want to hit on you know, we have a promo going on with prizepicks.com. Um, it's a service where you can go and you can bring together different selections um, over unders on fantasy points for it's like a props, but it's done through fantasy points. And if you sign up with code PFF at prizepicks.com, you get a hundred percent match on your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. I was scanning over. I was surprised to see they already have some fantasy points up, up there for, for the weekend. So just quickly, some stuff that I was glancing at on here. Um, one, I thought there was an interesting number on Chase Claypool. Everyone's, you know, the new Calvin Johnson, I guess, <laughs> in the <laughs> NFL, according to some people. So he's 13.8 points on there. We're projecting a more like 12 points. And I think that's really probably going to hinge largely on the fact of whether or not Deontay Johnson is back. Um, so I think just his opportunity may not quite be what some people are looking at. So I think an under there is a little bit interesting. Uh, Derek Henry, uh, 21 point projection here. That was, uh, that was also a takeaway from Tuesday night is that he, he had the lowest rushing share that he's had all season. And it wasn't just garbage time. Like they were using uh, Jeremy McNichol and they were using Darrington Evans who didn't play the first couple of games. So he was involved there. And um, he wasn't involved in the passing passing game at all either. So this, this in a PPR format. I think those are a couple of interesting under. So again, take a look, prizepick.com, promo code PFF, get 100% match on your up to first $100 on there. Okay, Lee, let, let's get a couple more games that you're looking at here. Yeah, sure. Um, game, other games that I've been, been kind of having my eye on is uh, the... Texans Titans game. Uh, so obviously we just talked about the Titans earlier. The, that, the, the movement in that is, is fairly suspect to me that opened at Titans minus five and a half. It's now down to Titans minus three, which is kind of strange coming off of uh, that game. Uh, you know, maybe they think that, you know, the best argument that I can, I, I, for me, for that movement is, you know, maybe they think with Bill O'Brien out the door, the Texans have finally turned the corner, but a win over the Jaguars last week is not enough to convince me that that's happened. Uh, I, I, I think that the Titans are definitely the better team in this scenario. Certainly uh, the, you know, PFF power rankings support that. Uh, I, I'm happy taking the Titans at, at uh, my only minus three here, especially yeah. at home. Yeah, you don't you don't necessarily like three, but I, I agree that that number. But um, yeah, I, the, the Texans and Deshaun Watson and how that offense is running, I it was kind of got on my radar before last week, and I was thinking, okay, if they don't go off against Jacksonville, you know, uh, Houston, we got a problem sort of sort of situation, and they did, but. I think it was 13-10 at halftime or something like that. or, or, or six, I, can't, I can't remember what it was. And then Jacksonville missed a couple of field goals in the first half. They were not dominating that game until, until later on. 
And so I think there's still those underlying issues that really came to the front when they were playing against, you know, the chiefs and the Steelers and the Ravens. And I mean, the Vikings, you know, they lost the Vikings too. Um, we, we still don't, so I'm still questioning them a bit there. And I think this is a really, really solid pick. Um, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, okay. Let's round it out with your, with your last pick before we close up shop here for the Thursday edition. Uh, yeah. Uh, the only other one is uh, I do think that, that there's some, some bit of uh, overvaluing of the, uh, the Colts. Um, the, they're uh, hosting the Bengals this week. That line opened at Colts. My uh, like the look ahead at went Colts minus nine. It's right now at Colts minus seven and a half. Um, you know, I, I do think that, that, you know, the Bengals are, are a team with Joe Burrow that, that, that can, surprise people and perform better than expected. I'm not saying I expect them to win this game or anything, but seven and a half, especially if you're getting that, that hook there of a, of a half a point. Uh, you know, I, I like that. Obviously Indianapolis has a very tough defense and that could be a, a hard matchup for him. He's going to have to, to, to throw the ball a lot to get to, to get there, but Phillip rivers hasn't been looking great. And I, I think there's a, I, I think this is an opportunity where the, the markets kind of overvalued the distance between these teams. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I mean, last week against the Ravens, the defense played okay. Um, just Burrow was getting absolutely terrorized. So the question is, is it going to be, and I think this is just going to be a weekly question for the Bengals, is whether or not they can protect him because they're not running a ball control, hide the rookie quarterback uh, offense. I mean, he's throwing the ball a lot. He, I mean, he, he threw the ball, you know, 60 times when they played against the, the Browns. So can they protect them? Basically is, is the question. Indianapolis did not get much pressure at all on Baker Mayfield. Now the Cleveland offensive line is obviously a lot better than the Bengals offensive line, but as far as pass protection, you know, I'm not sure that there's the, they're not as strong there as they are with their running game. But if you look at what the, the Browns did against the Colts going into that game, the Browns had this huge, like overweight towards the running game. They were running for more than 200 yards a game. They just came out and threw the ball. Um, and I think at halftime, they had something like 15, 16 yards rushing for their running backs. Uh, Baker had an additional 15 yards scrambling, and then they had 200 and something yards passing the ball. So they really flipped way over the script on the other side. So yeah, if the Bengals can find success passing the ball, which it looks like that's the way to attack the defense. That's what they seem to want to do on offense. I can see all those things coming together uh, in that game. Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me and credit to Kevin Stefanski for figuring out how to retool his team in that uh, matchup. Uh, I do, you know, agree with you that there's a, you know, there's ways to, to tool it up. You know, if uh, Baker can, or if Baker, if um, Joe Burrow can get, uh, you know, get, get, get good passes out and out quickly and avoid pressure, I, you know, I, I think they have a good shot in this game. Definitely, definitely, and you know, seven and a half. That's that. That's a good. The that's hook, a good number. The hook. That, that's, a, that's a good number to get to. All right. Thank you, Lee, so much for giving us a little preview of what you're looking at going in to this weekend. Everyone, uh, rate and subscribe to the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. We thank you so much, and the Friday edition will be coming at you tomorrow. Thanks. Mm-hmm.